the new normal is dystopia. This is the Proto Chronicles News of the Week for May 2nd, 2020. Jason Cousineau and Eric Reiner Kingfisk, that's me. Discuss how the pandemic and the quarantine is affecting the economy in ways that were impossible for everyday people like us to predict. From the price of oil falling into negative territory and the looming food shortages. We also discuss how corporations are rethinking corporate headquarters and expensive workplaces. We then chat about the latest news about Jeffrey Epstein and how his blackmail scheme led to his own death. And how a famous chef was preparing to tell all died in his sleep. Rumors of Jesse Ventura running as a Green Party candidate for president. And how social media is using the pandemic to censor and control free speech. And my apologies to our listeners in advance. I kept calling Dylan Radigan Dennis Radigan while talking about his take on what happened to oil prices. And we end the show by reading letters from our mailbag. The Fedora Chronicles is brought to you by our patrons on patreon.com slash Fedora Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, get early access to new episodes of the Fedora Chronicles radio show with our show notes, a peek behind the scenes, and more. Zazzle.com slash store slash Fedora Chronicles is where you can purchase t-shirts, coffee mugs, and more with our logos and slogans right on them. Commentary on pop culture and current events through the perspective of film snobs and diesel punks. With topics ranging from true crime, government conspiracies and cover-ups, and the paranormal. You can now listen to our podcast on SoundCloud, Apple's iTunes, Player FM, Stitcher, Overcast, Spotify, and Google Play on Android devices. If your favorite podcast service doesn't have the Thor Chronicles radio show on it, let us know and we'll fix that right away. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. What the audience doesn't know that Jay and I were just trying for the last 16 minutes to try and get the podcast up and running here on the uh, the Fedora Chronicles studio here at Fisk Farms in southern New Hampshire. And we were like chasing our tails and not realizing that the, the, the problem that we had, the strange buzzing and feedback that Jay was getting was actually from a... A broken power supply on my end. So as long as the battery holds up and the, the the gerbil keeps running on the wheel, I should have enough power to uh, run this podcast. So you realize now what I'm going to say is what we should do is at some point we should be recording and then you just suddenly randomly cut off the sound uh-huh. like mid word. Uh-huh. And then we'll act like it was... The power supply that killed us. We should actually. We won't make any mention of it in the in the subsequent podcast. Oh, okay. All we'll right. We'll act like we didn't even know. Or I can, I can just insert the 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 sound effect of the gerbil on the on the uh, on the hamster wheel. On the hamster. The wheel. hamster Suddenly on the hamster wheel. Having a heart attack and dying. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> I keep feeding the hamster methamphetamines to keep running. And then it, <laughs> And, just a muffled <laughs> as its heart explodes <laughs> here we are we're making jokes about hamsters dying of heart attacks because of methan- methamphetamine abuse which is not the worst thing to talk about this week because the thing is is that every time I thought to myself and there's a re- there's a benefit of us waiting until Sunday morning to record this meanwhile my wife is cooking breakfast in the other room um the benefit is that this is a really strange news week. And um, every time I thought, okay, that's the most important news item for Jay and I to talk about. And then 
there's another news item that's the most important news item that Jay and I should be talking about. And then another... Some of it's just damn weird, too. A lot of it is... I think that I, one of the things that I, I did want to start off with, mm-hmm. um, and I wanted to talk about this historical event in the proper context. And it's hard to talk about an historical event in the proper context when it only happened last week. Never before in the history of the United States or the world, oil pr- prices were in negative territory, meaning that, th- that oil companies we're going to have to pay you 36 or $37 per barrel to take okay, their oil right, and right, store right. it. Go that's, ahead. That's not what that means. What that's does it mean? What, it means? what does it mean? It means that they're losing money on every barrel of oil that they sell. And they're not going to pay you to take the oil. They're just not making money on each barrel of oil. Well, well Dennis. And what I want to know is why the hell is my gas still like a dollar, like, the gas in my area is around two dollars a gallon. Well, the way why the, the hell is that? A, the way the way Dennis Radigan explained it on various other podcasts. How are you going to trust someone named Radigan? I I just listen. He, <laughs> I'm joking. I have he, no idea who David Radigan he, is. I'm sure he's a nice man. He's he a lovely family. He used to be a contributor or a commentator on. Uh, it was either MSNBC or CNBC a business commentator and he lost his temper live on television saying this is all bs this all of this is all all garbage we're talking nonsense we have trump derangement syndrome um and what you're saying is not even what's really going on here basically and after his temper tantrum he either quit or fired depending on who you're talking about the way that he described it on the various podcasts and other shows that he was on because i had i had to i i was actually stalking him online to get his take on what happened what the way that he explained it is that the oil producers who were shipping the oil to california to where it's where we refine it and make all the oil products they had to mm-hmm. unload it off the ships. There's no storage. We have no storage facilities. We have no capacity. They actually had to pay people. This is according to Dennis Radigan, $37 a barrel to store it because there's because we have max capacity. That's the way he explained it. Whether it's true or not, I have... I mean, I, I, I'm inclined to think that's bullshit. Okay. I really am. Just simply because I can understand... Not everyone is using as much gas. We're not going through as much gas right. as we used to because we're not commuting like we used to. I, I understand all of that. Right. But I doubt that it's at that level because gas goes bad. It does. So they're not going to store it indefinitely. They're going to find other ways of getting rid of it. And if they had that much surplus of stock, again, why are my gas prices still over $2 a gallon? This is where things if get they weird. want us to get rid of shit, they should be lowering those gas prices. That's how supply and demand works. This is how, this is how it was explained to me, especially yeah. after there was a... I'm sure that anybody who's old enough to remember about maybe 10 years ago when gas prices were through the roof and and there were gas through the roof for the time because the, the gas time. prices fairly recently were about the same price as they were when we were outraged right. because it was through the roof there was one summer when the gas prices were through the roof every time the gas prices go up on the global market the prices at the pump go up 
and the reasons why that the gas prices oil when oil goes when up. when the when yeah, the yeah. when the when the cost of oil because there was a time when when a barrel of oil was at more than two hundred dollars a barrel, right? And in some parts of the country, especially California, gas at the pump was like seven to nine dollars per gallon, right. something yep. something extraordinary like that. Yep, it okay, was ridiculous. And a lot of that had to do with speculations on the on, on the market in the stock market, and people were profiteering off of speculate speculations on the market. Also, oil production for whatever reason oil production had dropped for various geopolitical reasons that we don't have enough time right. to get into. <laughs> um, Talk about a can of worms. We could, we, and we could go through an entire show talking about the petrodollar, which I'll probably spend a couple of minutes talking about. The, the reason why the gas prices didn't come down with the price of oil is because the gas companies, especially your local gas station, paid a certain amount of dollars they paid a price for the gas that's in the tanks in the ground that come out of the pump and into your tank. That's they've, they've already here's paid the for problem that. With, right. I, I understand that, but here's the problem with that. The, I've seen the gas, because we all know gas prices change throughout the week, regardless of whether they filled up or not. Right. Because they know more people could be driving on the weekends. They yeah. have the price up a little bit to make a little more extra profit. The problem comes in is that I have seen gas stations get more gas and the gas at the pump does not go down right. by more than three to five cents, which is the usual blip you'll see right. during the week. Well, there's another, aspect. Is, yeah. there's, there's another aspect to that, Jay, because the prices go well, educate up. educate me, man. The prices go up sharply because of obviously supply and demand, obviously. The prices go down slower because of corporate profiteering. And that what they will tell you is that because the supply chain and the supply bubble takes a, a, a long time to go from the refineries to the consumer's car is because of corporate profit, profiteering. And this, <laughs> this is where we know it's corporate profiteering. At least I can demonstrate that here because in Utah, we have oil refineries. We get our oil shipped in by train. Yeah. And then there's – I when I go down to Salt Lake City, I passed one – two oil refineries, depending on where in Salt Lake I go, could be three. And what they do is they make gas. How do I know they make gas? Is because I know people that work at those facilities. Right. And that's what they do is they refine the oil and they make the gas. All by legislation, all of the gas used or refined at those refineries is going to the gas stations here in Utah, regardless of who owns them. Any company that wants to have a gas station here in Utah is required by law to use the gas refined at the refineries here in Utah if they if they can. So in other words, if the refineries aren't keeping up with the demand, they can then use uh, oil or gas that was refined outside of Utah. But so long as the refineries here in Utah can keep up with the demand, they have to use that gas. Right. So they're spending pennies on the, on the gallon right. to move that gas in the state of Utah. And what is the gas per gallon out where you are right now? Or last time you filled up? Anyway? The last time we filled filled up, it was a a a dollar eighty nine. Yeah, it was two forty five here. So I'm calling bullshit on that. That's just pure profiteering. Right. You also have to keep in mind that the people who 
work the refineries, those people have to get paid. Oh, no, I understand that. I get that. No, but Matt, does that mean that gas in U the state of Utah will never, ever, ever go below $2 a gallon? I don't know. It should. We should see some changes, dramatic changes at the gas pump, even more dramatic because we all know we we all know that the supply is high and the demand is low because right. almost nobody is driving to work. Less than 50% of the population. Maybe even closer to 40 or 30% of the population yeah, is driving to work. Here. De depending on yeah. where, on where you go. I will get up First thing in the morning, I will leave at seven o'clock to go to my, my, my day job. And I, if I'm lucky, I'll count 12 cars on the road between seven o'clock okay. and eight o'clock. That was unheard of. And I can, I, I, and I, I'm able to drive to traffic lights and be the only one waiting at the green light. And nobody is going in the opposite directions. Yeah. I'll, I'll be standing there and, and, in the. And in the Boston area, you're not exactly in the Boston area, but for, for all intents and purposes, in the Boston area, that is unheard of, unless it's like two o'clock in the morning. Like I trained myself to take nothing but back roads because the highway and the exit where I would get off, you would be stuck in, you'd be stuck in line trying to get off the highway for a good 10 or 15 minutes on bad days. Yeah. So I would just take nothing but back roads and I would have no problem. But the, my fellow co-workers who won't take back roads, there were times that they would be late because the traffic was awful. Nobody has a problem with traffic now, except for some places in the in the region. Some towns are smart enough to now's the time to do um, road construction because nobody's on the road. Right. Now, here's the funny thing about that. The first time I saw that was as a joke on the Internet. Right. Someone posted on Facebook and they said, hey, this would be a perfect time to take care of all that pesky road construction. Now right. I understand scheduling and all that other kind of stuff. Yeah. But it's actually starting to happen now. Yeah. I mean, I go out on the roads because I get stir crazy and I was raised by a truck driver, which means that I get stir crazy. I got to start driving. So I'll go out on the roads. I'll visit my daughter who lives uh, two and a half hours north of me. And. I'll be out on the road and I'll, I'm seeing construction now. I wasn't seeing it before. Of course, from now we're also entering the construction period of the year, the time of the year where there's construction. But I hear geese yeah. in the background. So is yeah, that's that's what passes for traffic up here right now. Is all the Canadian geese flying? Is this flying a, north? Is this the Fedora Chronicles radio show, or is this a Prairie Home Companion? Well. It's a little bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> but there are so many articles from so many pundits, like from Business Insider, CNBC, and the Wall Street Journal, all trying to explain what did it actually mean and how did it go into negative territory and what does it mean for consumers in the future? I think that the obvious... The obvious answer for laymen such as ourselves and people who listen to other pundits will tell you nobody has a clear, concise answer. Yeah. I heard one. I heard one thing from Dennis Radigan, and then you heard something different from somebody else, and you were there right. in the in the belly of the beast in Utah, where they re, they do a lot of oil refinery. Yep. Yeah. So it's just. I don't think anyone really knows. It's it's like the rest of the craziness that's going on 
with COVID and, and coronavirus right. and all, is that no one really knows. No one knows after this. And again, there's a lot of – I got into a discussion a couple nights ago with some people and the whole problem with this is our alleged leadership in government needs to make some really hard decisions and say – is the number of people, potential people who might die from COVID worth pushing us into another depression? That's that's probably one of the craziest. That's, that's, that's a crazy. Well, that's the decision they're making. That's literally the decision they're making. How many deaths is it worth to tank our economy? Oh, that's what yeah. it boils down to. That's really what it boils down to. I've heard that there's a place in England that is weeks away from creating a vaccine. I've heard that that's a lie. I've heard that there's a place in um, somewhere in the Middle East that has a vaccine and they know it works, but they're going to vaccinate their own country before they make it available to the international community. I've heard that's bullshit. I've heard so many contradictory things right now that I literally believe and don't believe any of them at any given moment. It's all completely and totally subjective. You know what I mean? I'll hear something and I'll be like, yeah, that sounds plausible. And then I'll think about it a little while ago. Yeah, but it's probably bullshit. You know, and that's that, that's the world we live in. There's a whole lot that we don't have any confidence in right now. You've got people out there saying we need to build up herd immunity. you got people out there saying that's the worst thing possible we could do because right. it's so deadly. And then you got people looking at the numbers going, is it though? Is it really I don't deadly? Know. I mean, because you talk to a virologist and they say this is one of the deadliest vaccines we've ever encountered. But you talk to a statistician and they say, yeah, but if we didn't know it was COVID-19 and we didn't differentiate between COVID-19 and the regular flu, we'd notice it was affecting certain people more than others, but it wasn't necessarily a bad year. And you said almost exactly word for word the same exact thing in last week's episode that I published yesterday. Yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense. Um, yeah. But the, the, well, and that's it's confusing, though. And and this pandemic is affecting the economy in ways we never thought were possible. And we're seeing the fragility of our economy in ways that we could never possibly imagine. Like restaurants are taking a serious hit. All the restaurants where Carol and I frequent on a regular basis are now only doing takeout. The diner at the bottom of the hill is only doing takeout. And that used to be a favorite hangout for people like us once or twice a month. That See, now, I don't know how long that's been happening there, but here in Utah, that's that was mandated by the government weeks ago. Right. She just opened up to takeout yesterday. Yesterday was the first day because she had to, the owner of the diner had to take a couple of days or a couple of weeks to figure out how is she going to do this? And does she have enough supplies for people to do just takeout? Does she have enough take-home containers? And I I mean, I guess, I don't know, I'm speculating. I think maybe she had to scramble to get some extra take-home containers because maybe she right. didn't have enough. Um, right. And, and everybody... That's, see, that's the other thing, too, is, you know, if you think about it, the logistics of if you're not a business who's used to doing a lot of take home you've got to change your business operation in order to accommodate that right you have to change your and business now, model right exactly you're changing your business model a little bit it's it's a minor adjustment but it's still it's still an adjustment yeah like 
one of my daughter's friends um, got furloughed from her job because she was working <clears> – <throat> excuse me. She was working at a non-essential business. Right. So now she's working for an essential business. We'll call it uh, DoorDash. And she's now making more money than she was making at her other job, but she doesn't have any benefits. Right. You know? And it, how long is that going to last? You know? So there's – it's there's – I know we had a company meeting um, where one of the questions that was asked is – and I can't say the answer because that would get me fired. But one of the questions I was asked is with 90% of our workforce working remotely right now, is there – is the business impact – going to change the way we do business where we start doing most of our business just working from home because if we can do the same job we can save a shit ton of money not having those expensive offices oh absolutely that's going to save a fuck ton of money oh absolutely that's going to elevate our our bottom line you know and i can't tell you what the ceo said because then i'd get fired and i kind of like my job yeah i pay the bills and i like really and I like you having a job, Jay. I like you having a job. I, I, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate having a job, too. I, um, but this pandemic and the reaction to the pandemic has hit us in ways that we could not ever possibly imagine. Like I had started to say, oil prices dropped into negative territories. And we have all of these so-called, quote, experts who don't even have a consensus how that happened, what that's going to mean for the long term of the, of the economy, and if this could or would happen again. From one article that I'm looking at um, Business Insider, it could happen again. It, it, and, and the thing and how it's, it's affecting three levels of the economy that we thought were just unimaginable. Car sale prices are probably falling f- through the floor. You could probably go out and if if you have if you have income, a secured income because you are in and you are an essential employee, you could probably get a great deal on a brand new car right now. You could probably get more car for your dollar than you would have 6 months ago. Because of this, as far as I know, nobody is buying cars. And what's going to happen later this year with nobody buying cars, dealerships are going to be taking delivery on another shipment for the 2021 cars. So the price is going to just freaking bottom out. Exactly. Now, but yet on the other hand, the little bit of good news for car manufacturers, they're not making cars right now. Not all of them are making cars right now. They're making other products like respirators. So, I mean, there's there's that one silver lining. But what's going to happen when there are far too many cars on the lot and nobody's buying new cars? Nobody can and nobody will buy cars because so many people have been laid off. We don't have any idea what the future is going to look like. Are things going to bounce back to normal? It, what's the new normal going to look like? Is, is well, like- that's just it. And I mean, I, I, as a veteran, one of the things that I subscribe to is a, um, it's basically an online magazine for veterans. And one of the things they talk about in there is the international community needs to punish China for their handling of the of this epidemic, regardless of whether they created it or was released. Any, yeah. any of those conspiracy theories, take all of that aside. The facts we know are that they knew about this virus 
for weeks before and they knew it had been unleashed in the population in a highly trafficked area by tourists and they knew how contagious it was right. for weeks before they said anything to anybody. If they had acted just a week sooner, we'd have 50% of the cases we have now. If they had acted three weeks sooner, we would have uh, – uh, where was that article? Send me the link. We would have – uh, yeah, I gotta find it. While you're doing that, I'm just gonna read a couple yeah. of headlines. By the way, this is also be a great time to, to tell you that we got a great compliment from a listener. Um, nice. that, I'll, that I'll read before. Remind me, read because we need to go through our mailbag at the end of the show because apparently a lot of people like that. This right here is from Business Insider Powerline. The real reason crude oil went negative, top oil stock picks, and why the clean energy transition endures by Benji Jones, published yesterday, April 24th, 2020, at noon. Um, and this article goes on to explain how it happened. One of the things that he said in this article is that one of the reasons why green energy is going to be such a major factor in the post-COVID-19 world is that people are going to look at what happened with the oil prices and the massive fluctuations. And then they're going to say, they're going to wake up one morning and say, I can't do this anymore. I can't live and die by oil prices or gas prices to get to work and to heat my home. Uh, I'm, going to, I'm, I'm going to go all solar. And people are going to make a, the giant leap to solar because of the volatility in the market. By the way, did you ever find that article? I just want to read this other these other headlines just, here. Yeah, I just threw it in, uh, I threw it in the, the chat window. Okay. Um, why oil prices fell again in negative te territory and why it might happen again. This is from The Hill. Um, and I'm going to butcher this woman's last name. Um, Rebecca uh, Bitach. I almost said Biach. Uh, and this is, this is published on the 21st. So a lot of things have changed since then. Oil prices rose back into profit Tuesday after dipping into negative territory for the first time in history on Monday. But the rebound may be short-lived as a lack of storage space could push markets into similar crash within next month. So she's also perpetuating the story that we've run out of places to store the oil. That's, that's, she's pretty much confirming more or less what Dennis Radigan said. That, that, but Jay, that is a factor. That's not the only reason why. I think that's right. the consensus. Well, and the thing is, is I would love it if the, if the experts all had a consensus. I really would. It would be really nice if we had a scientific consensus on various things, like, you know, why the price of oil is so high and exactly what is going the new normal is going to look like after all this and you know whether or not herd immunity is the best way to go i would there would be it would be really nice to have a scientific consensus right but we don't yeah the experts don't agree with each other and it's just crazy right it's just nuts so what if, um, one of the things this article also goes on to say that it also has a lot to do with the contract, the month-to-month -month contracts, oil companies sign with oil providers, and they said, like, it's sort of like one person says, "Okay, you owe me 
according to our contract that we signed last year in, in May 2019, you owe me this amount of money for this oil that we just delivered. And the oil companies are saying, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Things have changed in the past year. Obviously, I'm sure that you've read the newspaper. I can't take all of this oil. I got nowhere to put it. Right. And there's going to be some of that because they, year over year for decades, have been able to count on, well, we know that we're going to be going through this much oil. We're going to be going, going through this much gas. So there's going to be a part of that. Yeah. And it, what it boils down to is how hardline is someone going, is a company going to be on the price of oil and everything. I mean, a smart, I don't know, seems to me a smart business once they pretty much announced worldwide social distancing probably would have dialed down how much they're doing the, you know, they're spending, they're refining oil and all of that. Seems to me you would have dialed that down. If you look at it and say, well, they're telling 75% of the people in the world that they need to not go to work. Huh. I'll dial back my production by say 30%, 35%. See how it goes. Yeah. You know, and then open that dialogue with your customers and say, Okay, how are you? How are you guys getting a lot of oil? Should we should we dialing back our? You know, are you guys, how's the the volume of gas you guys are selling? Should we dial it back? Should we dial it up? You know, kind of a thing. You know, because this is we're we're estimating normally you take you know fifty thousand gallons on every Tuesday, and we're estimating next week you're only going to need about thirty five thousand gallons. Does that do your numbers prove that out? Should I be prepared for more than that or less than that? You know, and I'm making up the numbers. I have no idea what the numbers are. I've never, you know, actually delivered oil or gas to a right, gas station. Right, so, right, You know, but it would seem to me that that would be the smart thing for a business to do. And yet it seems that, as always, the businesses are not doing the smart thing. They're doing right. the, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so people aren't driving to work anymore. How's that going to affect us? <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. You may want to think about that. I mean, but, here's, you know. I mean, think about this. All the restaurants and all the rest stops along the major highways all over the country, their, their business is like falling off of a cliff. You well, have, we were in Georgia this time last month. Right. Or within the past month or a little over a month. Anyway, yeah, we were in Georgia last month and – we actually went to an international house of pancakes where we could actually sit down, but there had to be two seats, two empty seats between us and the next people that were there. In the week we were in Georgia, they would only do takeout. They went yeah. from that to yep. only doing takeout. Yeah. You know, and it's just, it's, this is the way the world is. No one has any fucking clue what the hell's Nobody going on. Nobody has any idea what's going to happen. And that and that's that's the scary thing, and that's and that's causing um, the uncertainty is causing volatility in the stock market. And I never thought that I would actually say that on our podcast. Never <laughs> once did I ever think that I would <laughs> mutter that phrase. <laughs> Who would have thought we would ever be talking about the stock market? I mean. Outside of the fact that it's all controlled by the rept- our reptilian overlords, who are actual <laughs> people that <laughs> that killed Epstein, <laughs> and apparently his chef. So, yes, you know. Yes. Do we want to switch gears and talk about um, 
Yeah, Chef COVID nineteen shit's depressing. What? What? I think that I will put a pin on this topic and say nobody has any idea what the new normal is going to look like and how this is going to affect the stock markets. But what I do think, and I say this with absolute certainty, this has actually caused me to rethink a lot of the things about my life and put first things first. Like I actually spent an hour last night just talking to my son and how he feels about this pandemic. I don't want to like get too private or personal but one of the things that he he had said is like, you know, you know, quality of life and this sucks cuz he he can't go anywhere. He he yeah. he goes to work for 2 or 3 hours and he comes home and he's stuck in the four corners of our property. Yeah. And he's angry and he's frustrated and I can't say as though I blame him. My other son who's an introvert is having the time of his life cuz he doesn't have to deal <laughs> with other people. Have you seen any of the memes online about introverts? No, I haven't. Oh, it's fucking hilarious. They're like pictures of – they show people. Then when the news comes out of uh, about social distancing, it shows people like in a panic and stuff like that. It says everyone else and it shows a picture of someone sitting behind a computer screen with a, a, a bottle of Mountain Dew and it says me. Meh, just another day. I've been, Or I've seen I've, – you know what? I take that back. I've seen one meme – where there is this one introvert saying, I've been training for this my whole yep. life. <laughs> um, one of the things that we really wanted to talk about, and this is news that had been developing behind the scenes, and we're not going to be one of those conspiracy theorist podcasts that say that the reason why the uh, Chicoms released the um, coronavirus on the rest of the world is to get Jeffrey Epstein off the front page of all the newspapers. We're not going to be that podcast. We're but, not? Oh, wait. I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm I, a little marginally disappointed that we're not going to be the one saying that. But okay, okay. Uh, no, we can well, do that. We can, I can roll with it. Well, I can roll with it. That, no, we're good. We're good. Well, because that, that, that would be a very dangerous thing for us to, 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 to say. That would be yeah, very. Facebook is already not letting us post links to our fucking podcast. That's the that's the other topic that I wanted to talk about here. I'm going to read this tweet from Whitney Webb first. Do you want me to do that first? Which got me yes. looking at yes. Chef Andy, the man yes. who Maria Farmer named quote the Holy Grail unquote who had tons of damning information on Epstein and company. Andy Stewart. Hold on, hold on. Maria Farmer, for for those of you who have forgotten, is the most vocal victim of um epstein yeah so continue she refers to him as in our calls as chef andy died suddenly at farmers suddenly just as farmers lawyers were speaking to subpoena him on the epstein case and we have the link in our show notes here keep in mind Chef Andy said he had damning information on the the, the Jeffrey Epstein case. Um, I'm actually I'm so hold on a second. How yep. did he die? What, what was the what was the cause of death? Let me guess: natural causes. No, well, he was 42. He died of natural causes. No, he didn't. No, died in his sleep actually, like no, he was no, he was 62. Stewart died suddenly on April 7th. Fujini's order 
owner this um the name of i can't pronounce the name of this I'm send restaurant. You to italy for a week that way they can yeah. learn how to pronounce restaurant it. owner jim mulligan and stewart said stewart died peacefully in his sleep stewart was mulligan's brother-in-law we've known each other for a long time mulligan said he was my golfing buddy on family vacations he was the guy in the kitchen and he would cook for the family a really beloved uncle to six nephews and nieces it was stewart's i um stewart's death go ahead stewart's death comes at an exceptionally difficult time during the covid 19 pandemic when people are not physically able to connect and grieve together, Mulligan said. Um, you just read this entire article, and all it tells you here, all it tells you is that he died in his sleep. Meanwhile... So they're not saying he died of the COVIDs? Nope, he died in his sleep. He doesn't have the cronies? He's, nope. He's, okay. So here you have a chef who had dirt on Jeffrey Epstein and company, and he... he from what I understand, from what I gathered, he catered a lot of parties for Jeffrey Epstein. And he knew about some of the things that happened in Jeffrey Epstein's company. And he knew about a lot of the other guests that Jeffrey Epstein had at a lot of these gatherings. And he basically knows who's who and he was going to name names if he was subpoenaed. And then he dies in his sleep. You know, that's a shame. That's a shame. I mean, first Epstein doesn't kill himself, or excuse me, first Epstein was suicided, and now this guy died peacefully in his sleep. It's just, it's almost like the gods don't want Epstein's case to come to light. This is, this kind of stuff just pisses me off, because clearly there's something going on here, but we have no idea what. You know, and because our news media can't seem to talk about anything other than one topic, we're never going to find out. There's other things happening in the world other than COVID-19. And our news media can't seem to cover anything else. You know, the only thing they want to cover is anything related to COVID-19. If I had billions of dollars and I could create my own news media network, I'd be I'd have one segment a day dedicated to COVID-19. Here's what we know, because you know what? Not a whole lot is changing about what we know on a day-to-day basis. And in other news, this is what, what else is going on in the world. You know what I mean? Right. But I don't have billions of dollars. I know because I looked at my bank account and it said, ha, ah, you don't have that kind of money. Exactly. It literally laughed at me, which was weird. It's an online bank. <laughs> So um, Whitney Webb has a lengthy article about about this incident and what it means for Chef Andy to have passed away just when he was about ready to tell the world. As a matter of fact, she published, she actually published part one yesterday. So she was actually teasing this article. Um, Epstein victim Maria Farmer speaks with Whitney Webb, phone, full phone call interview. Um, I listened to segments of it and it, it is, it is, it's pretty damning. Um, the last American vagabond has decided to release the entire phone conversation between Whitney Webb and Maria Farmer, a victim of Jeffrey Epstein 
and uh, Gasline Gisline Maxwell, who had reported both the Gasline, both, yeah, Gisline. <laughs> Galane. Galane. It's pronounced Galane. I pronounce gas it line. I pronounce it Gasline because it's because it's funny. I mean, just the audacity of some some guy in New Hampshire with a slight speech impediment and stuttering problem, and has a problem with name pronunciations, has the balls to call himself a podcaster. I'm telling you, they'll just let anyone do it. Yeah. Um, are, there, are there no standards? There are zero standards when it comes to podcasting. Those yeah, who can, those who can do, those who can't teach, those who can't teach podcast. Um, exactly. A victim exactly. of Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell, who had reported both to the FBI in 1996 for child pornography, sex trafficking, and sexual assault. Farmer, who has been interviewed by mainstream media outlets, including the New York Times and CBS News, had reached out to Whitney because Maria felt other outlets would not publish much of the information she had given them on the case, particularly information related to Ohio business, I'm sorry, Ohio billionaire Leslie Wexner, who had close ties to Jeffrey Epstein and his sex trafficking blackmail operations. Well, there we go, because now that's that's it. Whitney Webb yeah. is one of the first people to come right out and say that what Jeffrey Epstein had was a blackmail operation. She actually goes there. Right. She does. And I, I love the fact that she's just been so adamant on this and just doggedly following it through and just chasing down the evidence. I, From what I've read of her articles, she has not once engaged in wild speculation. So when she says something, it's because she has supporting evidence. Even if it is just her opinion, she has supporting evidence for it. She's done just a fantastic job with this. She really has. Um, so if she's saying that, that means she's got – there's something there that she's looking at that she's like, that's what this guy was doing. It's, a, it's the entire phone call. It's the entire phone call. And you get to hear in her voice, the victim's voice about exactly what happened between Julie K. Brown and Whitney Webb. This story is never going to go away unless God forbid something happens to either one of those two. God, I hope not. Because honestly, if something does happen to either one of those two, there needs to be needs would absolutely beyond shadow of a doubt need to be some sort yeah. of investigation. But I'm not I'm not saying and I'm, I'm trying to be very reasonable when I say this. And I'm trying to be a responsible broadcaster when I say this, Jay. I honestly do not believe that the virus was released to get jeffrey epstein's name off the front page i don't think it's that oh. well coordinated but what i do think is that the people are well connected right i don't think the two are connected but i do think that the people who are implicated in this travesty are are probably relieved that this is actually happening because if it wasn't so let me let me ask you this if we're gonna take a trip down 
conspiracy lane. Yes, of let's, course. Let's let's take a look at all, all of the houses that are there. So, is it possible that even though this you know this viral viral outbreak is not because of the Epstein case, is it possible that that's the reason why our news media is so focused on it? Though, would you be willing to say that's a possibility, or are you still thinking that that's that's kind of far? I, I think I, I, I think it's a happy personal, coincidence. Yeah, my personal feel is that it's just you know our news media is just grossly incompetent. You know, they can't talk about more than one story at a time, or they have no idea what to do. Right. So that's just my personal feel. But I can see where people would say, yeah, so they don't care about it. But part of the reason why, for example, part of the reason why Donald Trump is having a daily briefing on COVID-19 is because he doesn't want any more evidence of his linkage with Epstein coming out. That's why Bill de Blasio is doing it. That's why, you know, the governors of all these states are doing these things. That's you know a, what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's a crazy conspiracy theory is that people are taking full advantage yeah. of this. Donald Trump is doing daily press conferences about the COVID and getting himself into trouble. Well, Donald Trump's getting himself in trouble because he's an idiot. I don't think he's honestly, he's doing what Donald Trump does. Right. He's, just, he's just being Trump. I honestly think he um, he and Epstein split ways a little while ago. Because of an incident that happened at Mar-a-Lago. People have speculated yeah, but, that somebody, um, uh, somebody had said that Jeffrey Epstein tried to rape somebody else at Mar-a-Lago. And Donald Trump, who has low standards, but he still has standards, says, I don't want that happening at my establishment, that that would ruin my reputation. That would ruin the reputation of Mar-a-Lago. I think that that's most likely what what happened, which caused this rift between the two of them. Um, but if- I honestly don't care what it is. I just you know, I think whatever caused the rift, there there was a rift. Right. So I don't think. I honestly think in Trump's mind, whatever is going on in the Epstein case is completely unrelated to him personally and he's too narcissistic to have anyone else's best intentions at at heart i really do i i don't think i think like the care that he has for his doing his job and you know how he's doing it better than every other president combined and everyone knows it all of that shit is just to feed his own ego i i honestly think that um is he the worst president we've ever had? I don't think so. Is he the best? Far from it. No, I don't think you know, there's certainly been there's certainly been worse. But Before, I don't think I don't think he's holding these daily press conferences for anything other than a, uh, an ego trip of his own. Yeah, because it's not enough for him to be president of the United States. Because he loves himself. Sorry. He loves himself a little too much. Um, I wanted to. He's the best. Everyone everyone loves it. Yeah. What? Well, um. Because the thing is, is that. I want to put a pin in the Jeff Jeffrey Epstein story and say, even amid the COVID pandemic, people are still covering the news related to Jeffrey Epstein. The good news is journalists do not have the ability to go on the road or, or, or fly to locations and interview People who have something to say about Jeffrey Epstein. The bad news is, is that these victims have nothing but time to talk to reporters over the phone and and really 
really tell the story. They have nothing but time to actually sit down and talk to people like Julie K. Brown and Whitney Webb and talk about how yeah. this all... Now they have opportunity to get their story out. Right. Because if somebody, if somebody wanted to call us and talk about what happened with Jeffrey Epstein and say, I got, I got a story to tell you, I would be all over that. I would love to... I, oh, yeah. come, come on over. Come on our podcast. We'd love to talk to you. Um, we'll send you a we'll send you a virtual hug and a virtual cup of coffee. Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> uh, what a, another thing that I think that we I do not want to perseverate over the issue of Donald Trump and this UV I, detergent issue here. It's uh, that's bullshit. That's just that's flash in the pan sort of distraction shit it's it's it, just, it has there's nothing there there yeah the one Even if, he, yeah. if he said something he's an idiot it's like saying oh look water's wet on the next maury povich show exactly I mean, who gives a shit? um donald donald trump is not the most technical savvy person in the world and he, shocked to hear you say that and I'm he, shocked to hear you say that eric and he was talking out his ass about a revolutionary untried untested treatment for diseases where they apply uv light to the um the bloodstream in an effort to quote clean the blood of infectious diseases and when he was talking about this and i'm not defending donald trump i looked into this revolutionary uv treatment it is it's way out there in the realm of science fiction. It might be the rel the wave of the future. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, and I don't play one on my podcast. But, but the, the point is, is it's not something that is realistically we're even remotely close to we're doing not, we're not, anytime right. soon. We're not, we're not close to bombarding people's blood with UV light. But the way that he talked about it, and the way that he has a worse speech impediment than I do. You call it speech impediment, but in his case, I'm going to say stupidity. You call it a speech. Do you want me to? You want me to read the quote that has everybody? Up? No, you don't. I want, really don't want to hear. No, you don't. I honestly, I don't. I don't. I don't care what Donald Trump said. Trump is an idiot. He said something stupid. Okay, that's like saying the sun is still shining. The Earth is still moving around it. Okay, it's it's just another day. It's I, a, day that ends in why you know you can tell because trump said something stupid and I, the only reason why he's getting any attention about it is because of his position i i just think that you don't want me to read this quote because you know that i'm going to sneak something in about your soft gentle wonderful hands that he's obsessed with you agreed <laughs> we would not discuss that <laughs> it was one night man one night because made a lot of money leave me alone <laughs> Because people at work will ask me and beg me to do my Donald Trump impression. Oh, <laughs> right. They don't get out much. <laughs> <laughs> and just pick any topic. And it was like, um, you know, like a bag of Fritos. This bag of Fritos is the best bag of Fritos there's ever been. They're wonderful. They're great. They're mine. Everybody knows. Nobody likes Fritos like I do. Okay, people who don't like Fritos are losers. Okay, fake news, fake news. I'm telling you right now, and people love that. Um, and and um, 
I could read this. I could read the text to this and you would think that I was joking. You would, you would think that I'm making it up on the spot, but I'm not. Um, but that's the problem that we're having here in this country is that the two, two, and I don't want to get off on Joe Biden right now. Um, but the thing is that it was like, this is, this is how awful it is here in the United States right now in the realm of politics. Whereas people are fighting and defending two elderly perverts who have charges of corruption and malfeasance behind them and a long history of inappropriate behavior. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that people can say is that you have to pick the lesser of two evils. There's, there's no good. There's, there's, there's no, there's, we don't have a terrific candidate from either one of the two major parties, especially in this time of crisis. And this is one of the things that I was talking about yesterday, the sense of despair. Yeah. We're facing unprecedented historical level events. And the only two options we have for president is Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And if you're old enough to remember the 2000, yeah, 2000, 1988 presidential campaign when we, he had to withdraw because of plagiarism, he literally stole other people's speech almost word for word and all the other things that he's done. He's not a viable candidate. And then you look. Yeah, the thing, the, it, it's just it's it's so infuriating because we had people of character running. I didn't agree with Tulsi Gabbard's political positions, but she was a good, honorable person. She did not engage in ad hominem attacks. She was not out there saying, we need to elect me because Donald Trump's an ass. She was out here, these are, you need to elect me because these are what I see as the big problems that we have to face in our time. This is how I see as a path we can take to resolve this, each one of these issues. Right. And, and I still think she's probably going to end up being Biden's running mate, which would probably be the best fucking thing in the world. Because he'd get elected and then there would be a mass movement to just get rid of his ass. There's a and mass movement. We'll end up with a president. Yeah. There's we'll a mass. A president. Mo- there's a mass movement on Twitter right now demanding that Joe Biden resign and drop out of the race because of the latest the latest evidence that he actually did what his accuser said he would because the accuser's uh, mother was on Larry King a, you know a call-in episode of his show you know asking for advice about what to do about this senator who sexually abused her daughter I mean and now, and now that more evidence is coming out, backing up this woman's claim, a lot of people are saying it's time for Joe Biden to quit the race. And those of us who say, yeah, it is, he should drop out of the race, we're all being accused of being Russian bots. Just, just uh, you know, uh, our political situation right now is in the shitter. It really is. I mean, seriously. We can't say that the opposite side might have a point. We can't look at any political candidate if it's for, quote unquote, the right side. We can't 
you know, we can't actually approach them. I mean, I remember when Reagan was running, people were giving him shit about being old. And his response to that was saying, yes, I am old. You know, there was a, a famous quote from him where he was talking to the press and he said, you know, Thomas Jefferson once said, and I forget what Thomas, what he said, Thomas Jefferson said, but his, he said, Thomas Jefferson once said this. And when he told me that, you know, and it got a chuckle from and the pe- audience. People, people actually thought that was funny when Reagan used yeah. to make fun of his age. Right. You know, and, you know, <laughs> he said in another press conference, you know, my opponent has agreed not to the make- debate with Walter Mondale. Yeah, yeah, has, has has agreed not to take my age and to cons- make my age a um, make age a fuck. I'm forgetting how he phrased it. He said, "I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm not going to hold Walter Mondale's youth in an experience experience against him. Yeah. Against him." And Walter Mondale laughed, and he realized right then, "Ah, shit! I just lost the race." <laughs> <laughs> right, but, you know. I mean, but at the same time. No one was saying, oh, you're a Russian for saying that. You know what I mean? Because the person who was running had the decorum and the self-poise to be able to handle it himself. Neither one of these idiots have that kind of gravitas. Neither one of them do. No. And you can say, well, Reagan was an actor, so he's used to that. That's fine. That may be why he had that level of gravitas, but the truth is he had it and neither one of these persons no, do. No. That doesn't mean Reagan was the greatest president who ever lived. That doesn't mean anything. It just means that he was able to handle his opponents in a way that did not cause separation. Yeah. And we don't have that nowadays. I can't think of a single candidate currently or a single single political um, a politician currently sitting in office that is capable of doing that. That doesn't mean they don't exist. They just, I just don't know, either don't know of them or can't think of them off the top of my head. One of the biggest stories from this week is that Jesse Ventura was is strongly considering running for president as a Green Party candidate. Great. So we're going to trade in one narcissistic sociopath for another. So it's going to be a three-way race between three sociopaths or three yeah. narcissists. That's just great. Yeah, because two two idiots running for president is enough. We've got to have a third one in the mix. I, You know what? I'm going to say this, and I can't believe that I'm saying this. I think Jesse Ventura is less of an idiot than Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And that's not an endorsement of, of, of Jesse Ventura yet. <laughs> But that's I'm glad how you said yet. <laughs> that's how awful we that's how awful it is. Jesse Jesse right? Ventura is looking like a more viable candidate than the two other people running. So all right, so say Jesse Ventura does throw his hat in the ring, right? Right. We're gonna have three people running for president. Jesse Ventura is a former wrestler. Right. And alleged actor. And I'm gonna yeah. say alleged because I'm not quite sure he ever really acted. He okay. does a great job playing Jesse Ventura plays Jesse Ventura playing another character. Right. He's he's also the guy that wanted to brag on radio that he won a lawsuit against um what's his name there? American sniper Chris uh um with the Navy SEAL sniper there. Yeah. I I, yeah. I don't remember his name. He won a lawsuit against his estate. Okay. And it's like over the dumbest damn thing. So 
those are going to be our choices is a former professional wrestler a quote unquote what what is Donald Trump again he's like a medium not it's not media he's a real estate mogul is what he's supposed to be right a, a quote unquote real, real estate mogul and a allegedly storied politician right or for president by the way, it was it was a it was, it was a sniper, Chris Kyle. Just to let you, just to interject Chris here, Kyle. Chris Kyle. Thank you, thank you, because that was on the tip of my tongue and it was right. annoying the shit out of me. Yeah. So, you've got two people who have credible allegations of sexual harassment. One guy who's just Jesse. How do you describe Jesse Ventura? Well, he I mean he's a former governor of Minnesota. Well, okay, yeah, okay, fine, thank you. Mr. I'm going to be politically correct. No, he's 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 a former wrestler. He's he's not someone you should really take seriously in politics. What did he do? What was his landmark thing that he did when he was governor of Minnesota? How the hell am I supposed to know? I I I, I wasn't. I'm did not. Oh, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Did what did he do? As governor of Minnesota, did were they yeah. in the midst of a failing economy that he turned it around? Well, here you go. Here for this is this is from his Wikipedia page. And by the way, I'm not defending Jesse Ventura. Jesse Ventura. Jesse Ventura. That's not even his birth name. Uh, nope. James George Janus is his original name. Is an American politician, media personality, actor author, and retired professional wrestler who served as the mayor of Brooklyn Park, Minnesota from 1991 to 1995 and the 38th governor of Minnesota from 1999 to 2003. He was the first and only candidate of the Reform Party to win a major government position. I, I, and, Yay! You know? I, and, I, and, and, and that qualifies and, him to, for the most stressful job in the world. I think that I mean this this is how crazy it is and I have to keep saying this this is not an endorsement of Jesse Ventura Jesse Ventura right now reading his Wikipedia page including the bit about the World Wrestling Federation Jay he looks like he's more of a legitimate candidate than Joe Biden and Donald Trump I'm not saying he's that good I'm saying the other two are that bad. That's what I'm looking at Jesse Ventura right now and other third party candidates that I've invited onto our podcast just to hear what they would have to say. Yeah, that's that's how bad it is when Jesse Ventura is looking like a more viable candidate than the two major front runners. I mean, you know, you know, shit's really hitting the fan. Your country is screwed. yeah, when someone like Jesse Ventura is running, and there's people in the in the in the United States actually going, eh, he couldn't be any worse. I mean, that's so fucked up. Oh, here you go. I want to. I, so, here, I want to read this so to you. Bad. As governor, oh. Ventura oversaw reforms of Minnesota's property tax as well as the state's first sales tax rebate. Other initiatives taken under Ventura included construction of the Metro Blue Line light rail in Minnesota St. Paul's metropolitan area, cuts in income taxes. His economic initiatives, however, also resulted in significant revenue losses to the state of Minnesota. 
Ventura left office in 2003, deciding not to run for re-election. After leaving office, Ventura became a visiting fellow at Harvard University's John F. Kennedy School of Government in 2004. He has since hosted a number of television shows and has written several political books, one of which I have read. Ventura remains politically active and is currently a host on the show of Aura TV and RT America called Off the Grid. As of September 2017, Ventura is hosting a variety news shows on RT called The World According to Jesse. Ventura has repeatedly floated running for president of the United States on a third party or independent ticket. To me, reading that... He has more viability than Joe Biden or or Donald Trump. You know, I wish I could say you're wrong. I kind of do. Yeah. I kind of wish I could say, oh, come on, Eric. You can't possibly take him seriously. But now I'm looking at who's sitting in the office going, well. He can't do any worse. Right? Which is just asinine to think that that's, that's actually a thought process when we're looking at voting for who's president. Well, it can't be any worse than the guy we got. Yeah. I can't imagine. I, I, I would like to reach out to Jesse Ventura and see if he'd like to be on the podcast, but I can imagine him saying, you know, Donald Trump and I have just one thing in common. The Fedora Chronicles. They like my hands. <laughs> the Fedora Chronicles <laughs> is fake news and Jake Cousineau has soft, beautiful hands. <laughs> I like my delicate IT hands, but you guys got to pick up my IT hands. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, and, and I also want you to know, I, I, I'm in the middle of an email exchange with somebody from Joe Biden's camp trying to convince him to come on the podcast and explain why would why would Joe Biden be a great president of the United States without bringing up but Donald Trump? Right. If you would, that would be the important caveat. If you can do that, if he can seriously do that without mentioning Donald Trump once, that would be an amazing interview. I, well, first of all, it'd be an amazing interview. Second of all, I would actually believe if he believed in. Joe Biden and wasn't just getting paid to do his fucking job. Because what happens after Inauguration Day? That's the important that's, thing. That's exactly it. And if all you've got is I'm, I'm better than the other guy, you better fucking have something else to bring to the, the table when the other guy's not there. And speaking about bringing something else up to the table, I want to close out the show here because, okay. all right, I want to read. I want to read this news story and then tell you how it affected us. This is from MSN.com. Facebook removes posts promoting anti-quarantine protests. And there's more. Facebook has been consulting. It would help if I didn't have all these damn pop-ups, Facebook and and MSN. (laughs) Facebook has been consulting with governors about anti-quarantine protests that could break state's social distancing rooms. The platform has already removed posts promoting anti-quarantine protests in California, New Jersey, Nebraska. CNN reporter Donnie O'Sullivan tweeted today, Facebook is reportedly working with New York, Wisconsin, Ohio, and Pennsylvania to determine if anti-quarantine protests break those states' social distancing rules too. This is not the entire story. This is a mere part of the story. 
one of the things that I have noticed firsthand is that Facebook is starting to censor people who are merely talking about COVID-19 and the outbreak and the origins. Jay and I published a um, part one of a conversation that we recorded uh, the, uh, the week before. And the, the name of this episode, and I'm going to call it up right now because I don't have it on the top of my hand because I'm busy doing other things like getting ready for the next show. Okay. Um, we published an episode of the podcast called Dreams from, from When We Were Frivolous. And just talking about combating cyberbullying and talking about doing your own thing and the struggles of being an artist and trying to do something new and fresh online and how some people are, are rude trolls. We could not post links to our articles on Facebook. I could print all the text I wanted to, but the minute that I put a link to the show page, you could no longer hit the post button. It turned, it, uh, it, 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 it turned ghost white or it, turned whitish and it made it unclickable so here's a question were you right. able to post links to other shows i could In other words, was it the is it the show that they're not wanting us to promote or is it, it the it, topic it seemed like anything from the fedora chronicles was blocked from being posted on i could post it on my own profile page but i couldn't post it on uh, the uh, the fedora chronicles business page any any three of our groups meaning the metaphysical connection news of the week and the plain old vanilla fedora chronicles page or group the group page i couldn't post it on another conspiracy conversation groups on facebook i couldn't post i honestly i couldn't post it anywhere other than my own profile page and one of the things that some people had said to me is that they had the same exact problem with posting links from their page, including an author who wrote a book, a true crime book. We actually had her on, on the podcast about a month ago. She couldn't post links to some of her of her own websites. Now, you can say that Facebook was having a problem with their servers and you couldn't post links to other people's news stories, but I was seeing a lot of other people posting links to news articles outside of Facebook. You could post links to CNN, MSNBC, PBS, NPR with absolutely no problem. We couldn't we couldn't post links to our own stuff from the Fedora Chronicles. And now I'm wondering is it is it just because I mean, let's face it. We talk about some pretty out there shit. Oh yeah. Is it because of that? So was it because of the Fedora Chronicles, or was it because we are not mainstream media? I'm an insulted and embarrassed by that conversation. It's pretty mainstream to me. <laughs> no, but seriously, we're not MSNBC. We're not CNN. No. You know, at least not according to my paycheck anyway. So if, I mean, is it because we're posting something where we talk about what's going on and we are not in the main you know the main we're not in lockstep with the rest of the media 
I'd like to, I would like to believe that someday, someday, if money was no object, we could be a bigger news organization. I don't think that oh, we, yeah. we would but ever be fact- as big as MSNBC or. Yeah, but I'm wondering if Facebook is was preventing that because is it in other words, is it more personal because of what we do or is it less personal because of the fact that we are not there yet? I think it has a lot to do with the fact that we have done so many shows on this one topic. We have devoted yeah. large portions of individual shows here. Um, and I do have the screen captures to show that we were we were blocked from posting links to our show pages. And keep in mind also that um, on occasion, we will advertise shows that we do on Facebook. Like we will give them $10 a week to promote the show and to, and to get more links. If I think that it's a, it's, it's a good show that deserves more attention, I'll throw in 10 bucks to have it promoted. Um, and we do see a slight bump in our traffic for, for doing that. The idea that we're a paid advertiser on Facebook and we couldn't post links to the sh- to the, our most recent show that had nothing to do with COVID. That had I don't I don't remember it having anything to do with government conspiracies. I, I, I don't I have no idea why anybody would not want us to talk about combating cyberbullying on our podcast. Right now, I had no problems promoting our most recent episode inconsistencies in pandemic reporting. I didn't I didn't see any there's not as of yet. <laughs> yeah. Give us time. We'll get there. (laughs) I don't know, man. This whole Facebook thing. See, on the one hand, it's a private company. They can do whatever the fuck they want. On the other hand, fuck Facebook. Yeah. You know what I mean? People will say that places like Facebook, they're violating the First Amendment. No, they're not. Yeah. What they're saying is you can't do it on my front lawn. You can still go out in the middle of the damn street and do it. You can still go on the sidewalk and do it because you, you don't own that. But on my front lawn, I don't want you spouting that shit. Yeah. And they have a right to do that. Now, the fact that their front lawn is covering almost the entirety of the United States is where people start saying, you know, they, they start having – you start having more sympathy for that point of view. Right. But the fact remains is that Facebook is a private company. Even if they're publicly traded, they are not owned by the government. That's what makes them private. They can decide we don't want to have that kind of stuff on our page. They have a right to do that. Just like no one can go to you and say, hey, you have to do an article on this on the Fedora Chronicles. Oh, I've had that fight before too. Right. We can do whatever we want. You know, we can decide, yes, we're going to do this or no, we're not going to do this. Oh, people got angry we, with me because I said I will not publish this article on the Fedora Chronicles main site because it does not fit the themes of the website. Right. And as the owner and operator, sole owner and proprietor of the Fedora Chronicles, that is your right. You have that right to do that. Right. So by extension, Facebook has the right to say we're not going to allow posts of this nature on this website, and they can do that. It's a shitty thing for them to do because they're so big. 
if the Fedora Chronicles had billions and billions of, of people, all of them each contributing their own articles or whatever, and you weren't being very discriminate until all of a sudden you got a stroke of conscience for whatever reason. And, right. You know what I mean? Then it would be like, okay, you've done shit like this before, so why aren't you doing it now? You know, and that's where it's the change of process that Facebook is doing that is causing people to say, what the hell, dude? Because they've grown so big, they're almost a utility, but they're still a private business. I totally understand that. Right. I can't, but, it's, but it's still frustrating at the same time, though. One And Facebook is one of the biggest marketing tools, if not the biggest marketing tool. Well, depending on your demographic, it is. It, it, yeah. Whether you want to admit it or not, it is one of the biggest marketing tools, period. Because it really is. the vast majority of people have an account on Facebook in the Western world. And people of our generation are more likely to be using Facebook than our children are. Sure. Our children are more likely to be using, I think, Instagram or something like that. But it still doesn't change the fact that it is a pow one of the most powerful marketing tools. And now they're being, they're being selective about what they want to allow you to market. Now, from the beginning, Facebook has been a no-porn thing. Right. That's why you don't see, you know, there's no Pornhub Facebook page because they will not do porn. If they suddenly opened it up to porn, people would change their views of Facebook. Facebook has also not cared about you promoting your show or any of our shows right. or anything else related to the Fedora Chronicles. And now they suddenly seem to care. It's the change and the limiting of something. It's when you take something away that where you start getting people that are getting outraged by it. And it's not happening to just us either. No, no, no. I as you mentioned. Right. Yeah. But that's that's the problem. I mean, I care. I care because but we care more because it's happening to us. Right. I mean, I hate I hate to say it. I don't. I'll say it again. I hate we to care more because it's happening to us, those bastards. I'm act by the way, I'm actually looking to see if that's true or not. That I care? No, I told you I can't care. It's right here. You don't have to check. I haven't updated that website yet. Huh, no. Facebook, um, Pornhub does not have a Facebook page or Facebook group. How about that? It hasn't, yeah. yeah it because has, Facebook has been anti-porn from the beginning. And on the one hand, good for them. Yet on the other hand, there is an aspect to censorship that I'm not crazy about. Right. And again, what I'm saying is all I'm doing is I'm saying just clarifying that no one's outraged that Facebook doesn't allow links to porn right. because that's been a part of their policy from the very beginning. But we have been able to do something that we are now unable to do on one of the main platforms available to us for doing that. Right. And that's where you, you start feeling like you're being censored. That's where that outrage is coming from. Because I have done do this for so long and now we can't. I have done experiments where I have posted a, a I've posted an episode of the podcast on SoundCloud and not advertise it on Facebook. Fine example, fine example, the simulcast that we did with the uh, Diesel Punk podcast. I didn't link to that on Facebook because I want first of all, yeah. I, I wanted I wanted John Pica to get the, 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 the traffic. Right. But I didn't advertise it on on Facebook. We had maybe about six or seven listeners. The minute that I posted on Facebook that we had this episode, the simulcast, 
we got about Jesus, how many how many listens did we get? Nobody listened to the podcast until I posted the link on Facebook. And then and then we got listeners. With without using Facebook as a marketing tool, we are dead in the water. That's just a fact. And if there's a and I I I've literally rescued a book out of out of the dumpster about marketing because I'm actually thinking about life after Facebook. You want to talk about life after COVID? I'm looking at life after Facebook. What happens after Facebook? What ha- what right. would happen what would happen today if I could no longer use Facebook to promote the Fedora Chronicles radio show? Because uh, what a lot of people are talking about is that you're not allowed to post anti-political party stuff on Facebook. You're not allowed to to some people are claiming that they have been blocked from posting negative posts about candidate X or party X. You can post all the negative stuff you want about the other party, but you can't post negative stuff about Jeff Zuckerberg's favorite political party. And I think that right. that's I think that that's troublesome. Now, oh, it absolutely is, because it's showing a bias, right? You know, and and that's where. Again, I kind of wish our political candidates could, you know, would wear like the drivers in NASCAR or, you know, sponsored by, you know, sponsored by Planned Parenthood, the NRA, um, the Koch brothers, you know, Monsanto, whatever. Although Monsanto, I think that would be like a given in pretty much everyone in Congress. But anyway. Right. um, You know what I mean? It's it's the appearance of neutrality when they don't have it. I don't care that CNN and Fox News and MSNBC are biased. I don't. What I care about is they claim to not be when they are. Yeah. Because you've got people who are listening to a biased viewpoint and don't know it. At least be honest with your people that are consuming your media and say, look, we lean left. Well, we don't lean as far left as Fox. Fine. You can say that shit. I don't care. As long as you're admitting you lean left, I'm fine with that. Because the truth is, everyone has a bias. I have a bias. You have a bias. Yeah, We're, sure. I, I think honest about how, what our biases are. Yeah. Is it biases? Bias? Biases? What, what's, Whatever. Yeah. What's what's, what's 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 We're pull? not in high school. We're not in English, man. This isn't an English class. So, <laughs> but if they would just be honest, I think trust in the media would go up. It wouldn't go up by much necessarily. But at least then people would know the source of their news, you know. So that's just me. I I have pipe dreams and things I wish. I I wish I had a pony. No, I don't. Ponies are expensive. I wish I could teleport. That's what I wish. That'd be fucking cool. You ever drive down the highway and see something off the side, and you're like, "What the hell? I wonder what I wonder what it's like over there." I wish I could just pull over the side of the road, teleport, be there, teleport back. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That'd be cool. One of one of our friends sent me the link to this video, and it's uh David David Ike's or David Ike. I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name. And the name the name of the video is the most brutally honest ten minutes of your life, and it talks about how there is an entire conspiracy theory. Or a, there's an actual, it's not a conspiracy theory, according to him. It's an actual conspiracy to enslave humanity 
in a psychological game to change the narrative and how people think about certain issues and certain facts. Look, there are bots on social media that are designed a certain way to get you to think a specific way on a specific topic. Like you have this absolute constant drumbeat on social media, making you or trying to convince you to think a certain way. And a lot of people need to sort of wake. I hate to say, use the phrase, wake up. People need to wake up to the reality that we are being manipulated. I think, I think that that's safe. I think that that's a safe thing to admit and say that we do have to realize that social media is being used in such a way to get you to think a certain way about a certain topic. And we are being manipulated. We are being, whether it's on Facebook, Twitter, other social media platforms, cable news, um, news programs such as 60 Minutes on, on CBS, you are led to believe certain things. You are led to believe in certain truths. And using proper sound editing, using, you know, proper background music. You can get people to feel a certain way about a certain topic. Like if I were to take Joe Biden's speech when he announced his candidacy, I can take that into an audio editing program and I could put two kinds of background music. I can put happy, upbeat music. And I could put scary, yep. scary music in the background. And that the I, ominous music. Uh, ominous <laughs> music. <laughs> you know, he's Joe Biden's a scary dude. He's coming in the middle of the night to smell your daughter's or, hair. Or we could do we could do it another kind of creepy too. It'd be like, Oh yeah, Joe Biden. Yeah. He's my man. We could have. You know the, what I'm saying? We 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 we, we, we could, There's we, a lot of creepy we could go with that. <laughs> we could we could we could we could in the background you could have, um, you know, exactly, seventies porn jazz in the background. Wow! 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 You And, and and you will you will be affected. They do the same thing with news stories. They do the same thing on infomercials. Music and ba- and background ambient sounds will get you to do a, feel a certain way. That's that one of the reasons why John Williams' music is so important in in Star Wars movies. Is you take that the music out of the Star Wars movies. They don't have the same emotional punch to them. And people know that. And people are using that in campaign ads. And we are being manipulated on social media by using clickbait headlines. Like, um, podcast listeners are in for a nasty surprise when they click this link. And it's a link to our (laughs) our show. Right. You say anything... So and so is in for a nasty surprise. People are going to click that to see what they're talking about. Yep. Clickbait. Clickbait. Or put a put up a picture of a half naked woman. Yeah, exactly. Which half? Right. As long as it's a small enough thumbnail, they don't even have to be an attractive woman. Just just half naked. Right. Exactly. Hell, it could be me in a bikini. <laughs> 
and your soft which no one wants to see. And Trust your, me on that. And your soft hands. <laughs> well, we could just do a picture of those and we'll get clickbait. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But the but the thing is is that so many people are starting to say starting people are starting to say that Facebook has become such a monopoly and that the way that they are manipulating their algorithms to get you to lean in a perf- in a specific political ideology that's concerning and troubling people who are pro DNC don't see anything wrong with that great good i'm glad that they're doing that i'm glad that they're helping people quote wake up other right. people who are independent or people who are non-voters or people who are lean right lean republican think that that's wrong of course this is your bias is is, is at play here right um a lot of people are starting to realize that this this is out of control and maybe something should be done to put an end to this. I don't know if government regulation is such a great idea. I don't think I because who's to determine what's good and what's bad and what business practices are good. Well, even be even beyond that, at what size is it now considered to be a service? If we were to go that route. Oh, sure. You know? Because like Google could be considered a service too. Oh, absolutely. So are they now subject to the other side of the First Amendment, meaning that they cannot, they are, they would be legally prohibited from preventing certain search results and discussions? You know what I mean? Do you really want the state and federal law to get involved in what Facebook can and can't on can't do? on their own business. Do you want the federal government to get involved and talk about what Amazon can and can't promote on their website or on their service? Like um, you, if you go shopping for books on conspiracy theories, you will actually see on the top of the suggestions, like the promoted book, like you, like you will see like promoted suggestions. Maybe somebody will say, hey, you can't do that anymore. Do you really want the state and federal government to come in and say, Eric Fisk, you can't do that anymore. You can't have that on your podcast anymore. Do you want that? It's And it gets into the slippery slope argument about Facebook. Maybe that's what I'll call this half of the show. This half of the episode. Yeah. Do you really want that? I don't want that. I don't, I don't, I don't want, I don't want an outside government agency telling me what I can and cannot do. But what, what can we do but to prevent? What if, yeah. But what if you, what if we had uh, Fedora Chronicles had grown as big as Facebook? Say we had, uh, say we had such ubiquitous coverage that literally everyone in the United States over a certain age, everyone listened to our podcast. How would you feel if the government came to you and said, Hey, listen, you're so big now that you have to follow the same restrictions in regards to topics and limiting which topics you cover that the government does because you're too big. That's a po- I mean, first of all, that's an impossibility. <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying, I mean, theoretically speaking, if, if, if literally everyone listened and then you know, if we were defined as a service that is provided, which is what a lot of people are saying, 
Google and ISPs should be considered should be considered services, right? That fall under the regulation of the federal government. I would be pissed. And fall under the same strictures. Exactly. I would exactly be pissed. It. So I can understand. And when it comes to Facebook, I understand why you know Zuckerberg. It's still his baby. He can still do what he wants. He can. He has the right to say, okay, no more discussion about that. And if the people don't like it, they can go elsewhere. Like remember what and happened what to MySpace. Where is Facebook's competition? Remember what happened to MySpace. Right. But where is Facebook's competition? There's me, we, but a lot of people aren't using it for various reasons. I've never even heard of it. There you go. I don't know, dude. Shit's fucked up. I just want to, you know what? I want to end the show when I just wanted to read a really nice post that somebody had, had, um, had put oh, we on. Gotta hit the mailbag. We got to hit the mailbag. Wow. That, that sounds painful. Well, it's a lot less a lot less painful to hit the mailbag than have the mailbag hit you. Michael Sigler posted on social media, I love what John B. Pica and Eric Fisk are doing on their individual podcasts, but getting these two back together with Boss Larry was like, just like old times. These pod video casts are absolutely great. Uh, I really appreciate him saying that. And I really do miss doing the podcast with John Pica and Larry Emmett on a regular basis. John Pica promised that he was going to be on the podcast to talk about his conspiracy theory about what's going on with COVID. So I think that that would be an so interesting. So we're just working show. out timing now? It's just, we're just working out on timing. That'd be fantastic. We're just working on... Um, and also one of the things that we're going to start doing at the end of every show is that we're going to be reading people's messages, much like what Garrison Keeler did in during the intermission um, on Prairie Home Companion, where it's like if you had like something that you want to like, you know, uh, something from the audience, if you wanted to wish somebody a happy birthday or if you want to announce something that you were doing um and you want to share with the Fedora Chronicles audience, by all means, um, uh, drop us a line. Oh, you can hold on, hold on. So we don't fall into the same thing that, that, uh, Facebook is. We got to throw some caveats out there. We're not going to announce anyone's private orgies. Okay. Right. We're not, not going to go there. Um, also, I don't think it would be wise of us to read out anything that involves anyone's like personal information. Sure. Of like, course. So we can say, Carrie's birthday is Friday, so happy birthday to Carrie. Right. But we can't say, you know, Carrie Smith in, in you know, Des Moines, Iowa right. is having her birthday this Friday. Right. Like, like one, one, of, one of our super fans is having a birthday next month. So we're, gonna, we're going to wish the, the super fan a happy birthday. And if they're not too far away and they're serving crack and rum, I would be willing to attend. Jay, Jay, you would literally get on an airplane, fly into a region where there is a horrible snowstorm for a bottle of crack and rum. Yep. Again. <laughs> yes, I would do that again. Again. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, th I think that I think that the consensus for the uh, for this show is things have gone crazy. Things are going crazy, go nuts for various reasons. Okay, so now letters from the mailbag. No, that's it. That's the one letter that we have. That's the one oh, okay. letter from cool. Mike, Michael. Uh, yeah, Michael's letter, Michael's post. That's the one that's thing awesome. that we have this week. 
And and I do have to say that I, I enjoy the podcasts that you've done with Pika as well. Yes. And that's been those are fun. Yeah. Those are fun. I like John. John seems like a nice guy. Yeah, we gotta get John on the we gotta talk to John about what's going on. Um I mean I do have another message that I could read. We did get another message. Okay. Okay, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Okay. Um Milk, soda, ice cream, cookies, burger buns, I forgot what else. Chocolate and regular milk and Pellegrino? With a question mark at the end? Yes. That's, that's, yes. I'm, let, me, yes. let me guess. Let me guess. These are things that your wife wants you to pick up at the grocery store. That's the shopping list. I mean, you said you wanted more letters. <laughs> you wanted more messages from our listeners. <laughs> yeah, but your wife is sort of a captive listener. She's got no choice in the matter. So... Yeah, we were talking about that this morning over coffee, too. <laughs> All right, Jay. All right. All right. Have, have a, a good one, Eric. Have a great week, and I'll talk to you later. Okay. Congratulations on surviving another episode of the Federal Chronicles Radio Show with hosts Jason Cousineau and Eric Render King Fisk. Find out more about the Fedora Chronicles by visiting our website, thefedorachronicles.com. That's where you can find our past shows, show notes, and recent articles. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram by simply searching for us on those platforms. Don't forget to join our group on Facebook after you found it so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, Chronicle at google.com, are great ways to drop us a line with comments and show topic suggestions. We might even read your comment on the air. Support the show by contributing to our Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Fedora Chronicles. From your dollar a month, you get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're doing, and for $5 a month, you get all that and a t-shirt or coffee mug. Terms and conditions apply. And thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing. You can also support the show and show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. 12.5% of every sale goes directly into keeping this podcast and all the others on the Fedora Chronicles network on the air. That's Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. The theme song for this show is Royal Flush by All of Musique. The Fedora Chronicles radio show is edited and produced by Eric Render King Fisk. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2019-2020. All rights reserved. On behalf of Jason Cousineau, this is Eric Render King Fisk signing off and reminding you to keep your chin up and your fedora on. <laughs>